0: Well, good morning, everybody. We're going to jump into the scripture text today. If you have your Bibles or you were waiting on the screen to pop up, let's go to Acts the second, 20th chapter, excuse me, Acts chapter number 20. And we'll begin our reading again at verse number 25. On last week, I laid the groundwork and the foundation uh, for our teaching on the day on the spirit of generosity. Uh, and as I think about the spirit of generosity, I, I think it's a perfect uh, 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 segue or a perfect analogy on a Mother's Day to think about generosity and a spirit of giving. Like no other uh, person on earth, mothers are some of the most giving people that I know. I don't know about you, but when I see mothers, mothers mothers give a little bit more than fathers do, right? You know, sometimes daddy will kick you to the curb real quick, and mama just be hanging on, just keep on, just keep on, sometimes to your detriment, but they Mothers are givers. They have a spirit of generosity. And and, and I, I imagine every child here can, can attest to that fact that sometimes when daddy wouldn't do it, mama would. Sometimes mama wouldn't tell daddy that she did what she did. Do I have any witness up in here? So I thank God for the spirit of generosity. So we're going to get into the text uh, and, and see what the Lord is telling us about the spirit of generosity. And I told you, in order to receive the word of God on any subject, but particularly the spirit of generosity, it is critically important that we recognize that we are, our hearts, our, uh, the ground of our hearts that we looked at in Jesus' parable, the parable of the sower, the different types of ground represented, represented the, the, the types of hearts in men. And I said, in order for the word of God to grow, and have and produce what the Bible said it can produce, it is conditioned upon how you receive. Is that correct? If your heart is not ready to receive the word of God, and if you have any of those first three types of ground in your heart, then the message preached won't benefit you one iota. You, could come, you can come to church till, till the rapture comes. It could be a thousand years from now, and you'll never benefit if your heart is not ready to receive can I get a witness? I, I, a, a brother shared with me on yesterday and it really, really blessed my heart. Uh, the brother came and told me, he said, listen, man, when we first started this, this series on unity, he said, I wasn't for it. I'm I, I telling you, I wasn't for it. He said, but you kept on preaching. And you kept on sharing it. You kept on preaching and kept on sharing it and then you kept on preaching and kept on sharing it. You didn't say it one time and get off of it. And he says, listen man, I get it now. He says, I'm I'm bought in now because now I begin to study the word of God and I I allowed that word to get into my heart. And that's man, I can appreciate a a, a Christian who's who's willing to say, you know, I was fighting against it. I I didn't quite understand it. But as I stuck with it, as I stayed with it, as I began to let the word of God penetrate my heart. And and the brother told me he even started reaching out and building relationships across cultures. And man, I tell you what, I I, I want to shout right there. I didn't shout. I shook his hand, but man, that that just blessed my heart. Because as a pastor, when you're feeding people, sometimes people reject what you're saying. And sometimes it's because of the ground that their heart is on, uh, uh, it's it's where it is at that particular point in time. But if you can ever get to the point where in Jesus' parable, where you have a good ground heart, the word that's coming is going to take root and it's going to produce fruit in your life. So I want to I know, are you ready to receive today? Yes. No, 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 no. See, so half of y'all are. I, I, I really want to know, are you ready to receive today? Yes. No, 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 no. I really want to know, are, is your heart in a good ground mold today? Yes. Glory be to God, amen? Because sometimes if we're honest about it, we come to church and our hearts are not ready to receive, right? Because of something we went through. But I will challenge you to stick with the word and let that work get in your head and down in your heart so, so that you and I can be conditioned to be able to move and to, to do the things that God has desired for us to do in his word. Amen. So look at Acts 20 chapter and let's start our reading at verse number 25, if you will. Verse number 25. We went over this last week, but I, we, we spent a great deal of time talking about the condition of the heart. Because your heart is not right. Nothing I say is going to benefit you. Amen? And only you know where your heart is. I wish I could cut you open, take it out, and clean up all that mess out and, and sew you back up, but they would probably take me to jail for performing an operation and I'm not a duly licensed physician. But boy, i tell you, if, if I could, I would just, first start with your head, then your heart. All right? And I would just cut you open. And, come on, semi like Cut them open. Sew you back up. Now you're ready to receive the word, okay? But because I can't do that, I'm going to trust that you will evaluate yourself to see where you're standing right now, okay? And now, I know that none of you to whom I have preached the kingdom will ever see me again. Let's read on. It says, I declare today that I have been faithful. If anyone suffers eternal death, it's not my fault. Apostle Paul is talking here to some of his compadres in the, in the gospel ministry. He says, for I didn't shrink from declaring all that God wants you to know. text says, so guard yourselves... And God's people. Guys, that's what I as an under shepherd have been commissioned to do. And I told you that I take my job very seriously because when God called me to do what I'm doing here, I realized that I could mess people up if I'm not careful. All right. There have been many people who've been messed up and hurt. And because they didn't have good pastoral leadership, uh, it's not all the pastor's fault, but a lot of times, again, if a pastor messes up, if he tells you the wrong thing and you believe that and go in, 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 in a hurt or, or, or you go in, and have a situation where it's less than conducive, then then that person could be hurt for a long period of time. So so he says, so guard yourself and God's people feed and shepherd God's flock, his church purchased with his own blood over which the Holy Spirit has appointed you as elders. Let's keep going. I know that false teachers like vicious wolves will come in among you after I leave, not sparing the flock. Even some men from your own group will rise up and distort the truth in order to draw a following. Now listen, back up, watch this right quick. And you got to be very careful. Make sure, hear me, hear me, hear me, hear me, hear me, hear me. Make sure you're not like one of these men that Paul is talking about here who who were from your own church. You're rising up speaking against what the, the, the apostolic and pastoral authority is teaching from the word of God. Because what, what God will do is, I promise you, he will deal with you, he will discipline you, and I, I, I want to save you from a good butt-whipping from God. How many of y'all in here have had a good butt-whipping from God before? I know I have. And it is not fun. I thank God for it, because after going through the butt-whipping, I, I was a lot more wiser. Can I get a witness? But don't be guilty of being like what Paul says here. Even some men from your own group will rise up and distort the truth in order to draw a following. Some, some preachers about getting numbers. I, I'm, not, I'm not so much concerned about numbers as I am about faithfulness of the followers of Christ Jesus. I want to do what Jesus told us to do is to go and make disciples, training and developing people in the ways of God text says, even some men from your own group will rise up and distort the truth in order to draw a following. Next verse. Let's go. Watch out. Remember the three years I was with you, my constant watch and care over you night and day and my many tears for you. He says this, and now I entrust you to God and the message of his grace that is able to build you up and give you an inheritance with all those he has set apart for himself. Text says this, I have never coveted anyone's silver or gold or fine clothes. Let's keep going. He says, you know that these hands of mine have worked to supply my own needs and even the needs of those who were with me. Keep going. It says this. And I have been a constant example of how you can help those in need by working hard. Paul says, I have been a constant example of how you can help those in need by working hard. I told you on last week, and there's no substitute for hard work. Everybody said a man ought to work. Let me say it again. Say a man ought to work. Man ought to work. Let me say it again. A man ought, work. man ought to work. If he's not retired, if he's not sick, he ought to work. Right. <laughs> Young ladies. Don't talk about I'm a suave and debonair. This is in the 21st century and my man, gonna take, I'm going to take care of my man. Don't you take care of your man. Your man should take care of you. Okay, all right, all right. Hold on to me, hold on to me. It, it, it boggles my mind sometimes at the, at the this is, I'm going to make this word up, the assinuity of some of our young people's mindsets. We got to stick to what God's word says to enable us to be the vessels that God can utilize to advance kingdom principles. can we keep reading? Paul says, I'm an example. I'm an example. I'm a constant example of how you can help those in need by working hard. I said on last week, if I don't have anything, how am I going to help you? If I'm struggling, because I won't refuse to work, I'm working on my brand. While you are working on your brand, which is not producing any revenue right now, work! (laughs) Work on your brand at night. Work on your side gig. And it's it's okay to have a side gig and and, and work that side gig until it becomes a full-time gig. Am I helping anybody up in here? Maybe somebody forgot that, oh, maybe I'm I'm thinking about myself because as as I talk to business owners, they can't find people who want to work nowadays. I mean, it's, it's, I, I, it boggles my mind because I don't, I don't know how you do that. Somebody come tell me how you get by without working. As a matter of fact, work was instituted into the earth realm by God even before the fall. Amen. So work is not a result of sin. God said he put Adam in the garden, Eve in the garden, and said dress it and keep it. That means he from the moment they were placed there, they were designed to work. Okay? So but but I don't know how I don't know how y'all doing that, so somebody come tell me. But 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 text says I've been a constant example of how you can help those in need by working hard. You should remember the words of the Lord Jesus. It is it is it is what? It is what? It is what? It is more blessed to give than to receive. Now verse number 35, giving is meant to be joyful and fulfilling, guys. And it isn't rooted in guilt or self-righteousness. Giving is genius. It's, it's the smartest way to live. Uh, you know, uh, in Hebrew, the word for generosity literally means to saturate with water, which, which is a symbol of life. How many of you know that you cannot live without water? You got to have some water. You can eat. As many ribs as you want to eat, as many greens as I'm going to eat today for our Mother's Day dinner at the house. Can I get it? I can eat as many sweet potatoes as I want and throw in some lemon pie. But if over the course of time I do not have water in my body, my body will not function. You can drink as many cokes as you want to drink. Huh? Gatorade or whatever, but ultimately your body needs water. Amen. Can I get some of my medical professionals to give me an amen on that? You need some water. Water is the problem, It's the most healthiest nutrient that you can put into your body. Everybody look at the neighbor, neighbor. Start drinking some more water. All right, But now watch, watch this, guys. In Hebrew, the word for generosity literally means to saturate with water. Assimilate. It represents the overflowing abundance that brings life to people. The Greek term means ready to distribute, available to give time, available to give talent, available to give treasure to bless others. As we talk about the spirit of generosity, I want you to let that resonate in your spirit because uh, many people today don't have time for stuff. Even though we do have time, we don't prioritize our time. Can I put it that way? How many of y'all have ever been guilty of saying, well, I just don't have time to do that? Anybody been I need some hands raised. I'm not the only one in here who's made that excuse. Listen, here's, here's some of our excuse. We, we, we'll, we'll tell the Lord, well, Lord, I don't have time to spend with you because I'm, I'm spending all my time working for you. Let that sink in just for a second. Lord, I don't have I don't have time to spend with you in prayer and quiet time instead of time because I'm, I'm so busy doing stuff for you, God. It's sort of like this. We're talking about mothers and we're talking about fathers and we're talking about marriage. It's like the husband who says, I don't have time to go on vacation because I'm working. I'm providing for my family. I don't have time to do this. I don't have time to support my kids at their game because I'm busy working. And you turn around in 18, 20 years, now they're out the house. And now you want them to come back and see you, but you never had time for them. How many have made that mistake before? And it's, it's very easy for for a man to substitute uh, uh, working. For, for true love, and when you understand what true love is, and when you learn how to be that 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 authentic God man, who who number one rejects passivity, number two accepts responsibility, number three leads courageously, and number four invests in those things that are eternal. When you learn that, you realize that you learn how to balance life. You guys have heard me say that quite often: balance in life, balance in life. In other words, run hard for the Lord, but but also make sure you spend time, amen. Uh, with the Lord, and in time of prayer and and, and, and studying of his word so that you can be equipped to be able to do the things for the Lord the right way, with the right motive, with the right inspiration so that you don't get uh, full of yourself by doing stuff for the Lord and never spending any time with the Lord. So again, let's go back. Says the Greek term means ready to distribute, available to give time, talent, and treasure to bless others. When we put all these meanings together, we understand that g- generosity in generosity, uh, generosity is a brilliant way to live. In other words, it's, it's, it's a way to live that, that many of us, if we would grasp hold of it, we'll begin to understand that God desires to bless us so we can be a blessing. Spending and saving carefully or wise, but giving generously is genius. When you learn how to give, how many of y'all have been told to put, a, put aside a little something in a savings account? Well, savings account don't pay very much nowadays. And so if if all your money is just in the savings account, you're not being the best steward. I'm not saying you're not being a steward, but the the best steward, uh, like the parable that Jesus told, doesn't just take, at the very minimum you should do is put your money in the bank to draw interest. Let your money make money. Is that right? At the very minimum. Because how many of y'all know we're going to be called upon to give an accounting of our stewardship? What did we do with what God blessed us with? The time, your talent, your resources. What did you do? to bless God with those things that he blessed you with. We all are going to stand before what is known as the Bema judgment seat of Christ, where we're going to be judged not on our sins, but how we lived our Christian life. How faithful were we? how, How on point in our motivation, was our motivation right when we sang that song? Was your motivation right? when you went and helped the homeless downtown or that you just, you went and helped the homeless so you can call the news media so they can put you on TV so you can say, look at what I did. You know, a lot of people who won't do things unless they get publicity. But I'll tell you, the heart of a person who's generous doesn't care about if they get recognition from men or not. They're concerned about how am I pleasing my God? Because even though man may not see you, guess what? God does. And when God sees you, when God sees you doing this with a spirit of love and a spirit of generosity, and your motivation is not to be seen, but to lift him up, then when you get to before the beam of judgment to Christ, you will be rewarded for that work. I'll be honest, some of our works are going to be burned up. Right? Because how many of y'all will will admit to me today that sometimes you did some things out of selfishness? Or sometimes you did some things uh, grudgingly. Remember last week, we we talked about the fact that the Bible says we should serve the Lord uh, in a a wholehearted way. Serve him wholeheartedly, obey him wholeheartedly. And when you obey somebody wholeheartedly, that means you grasp all of the concept of what it means to serve God with a pure motive and a pure heart and pure mind. But there have been times, if you if you're honest about it, I'll be honest about it. There have been times when I did things and I did just because I had to. I didn't have a wholeheartedness about it. I just felt like I had to do it. Anybody been there before? Yeah. Now it's good that you were obedient, but guess what? When you get to when you get to heaven, God okay, obedience is good, but God's looking at your heart. Why did you do what you did? And what was your attitude? What was your mindset? So when it comes to the things of the ministry of God, when we get to when we when we all carry a spirit of generosity. We will be able to to serve at a much higher level and a level that's pleasing God and helping us get to where we need to be, okay? So now, watch this, guys. If you will, next point, generosity works. Four reasons why living in the spirit of generosity is genius. It is smart. It is wise. Number one, it changes our lives. Let's go to Proverbs, the 11th chapter. Glory to God. Proverbs, chapter number 11. And let's look at, start at verse number 24. First thing it does, it changes our lives. Let me tell you something right now, and I, I, don't, want, I don't want you to, I, don't get me wrong when I say this. I am after transformation in your life. As your pastor, I, I want to see transformation. I want to be, be able to see, okay, you take the word of God take it in your head, put it down in your heart and then meditate on to the point to where it, it causes transformation in the way you do things. And see, that transformation in the way you do things should be evidenced and witnessed by those who are in close relationship with you. Because if the honest truth be told, uh, we can come to church and we can kind of fake it with people. Let me say it again. We can sort of fake it and pretend like we got the right attitude, the right motive, and we can serve. But then in our hearts of hearts, we got some stuff going on that's not right. And God is looking at that part. So, what I'm trying to do is your pastor is to get the word of God in your head, down in your heart, so that it, it, it causes transformation in the way you do life. Because once you get to the beam of justice of Christ, when you're gonna be judged on your works, because our sins have been taken care of on the cross care of Calvary. Thank God. Thank God for the blood that washes away my sins, but I, I will be judged on how I, how faithful and how committed I am in this Christian life. And so my 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 responsibilities in heaven are going to be determined by what I do here on earth. Everybody ain't going to have the same stuff. Let me say it again. Newsflash, if. If some works are going to be burnt up and others are going to be saved, then that means that everybody won't have the same rewards when we get to heaven. Now, we're not working to get to heaven, but we work because we are saved and heaven is already our home. And we know that we're going to be judged based on our faithfulness here down on earth. Okay? Are you all still with me? Look at Proverbs 11. So the first thing is, four reasons why living in the spirit of generosity is genius. Number one, it changes our lives. The text says this Give freely and become more wealthy. Can we read it out loud? It says what? Give freely and become more wealthy. Be stingy. Boy, that just, that just, just just some common sense there, right? Proverbs talking. Next verse, let's keep reading. It says what? The generous will prosper. Those who refresh others will themselves be refreshed. Keep reading. It says, people curse those who hoard their grain, but they bless the one who sells in time of need. Next verse says what? Let's read. If you search for good, you'll find favor. But if you search for evil, it's going to find you. How many of y'all know that's true? If you go looking for something to get into, you're going to find something to get into. Right? Next verse, let's read. It says what? Trust in your money and down you go. How many of y'all have been trusting in money? Now, don't, don't even raise your hand. I know you're not going to raise your hand. But there are a lot of Christians who trust in financial resources and not trust in God. And it's dangerous to put your trust in money. Now, all of us need money to live. How many of y'all got a house note? How many of y'all paid for your house? Glory be to God, your house paid for? Glory. Thank you, Jesus. That's good, that's good. But, 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 so, so you have a mortgage. And again, if you don't pay the mortgage, what will happen? After a period of about 90 days, come on, if on 120 days, 60 days, six months, nine to 12 months, and you didn't pay, they're going to come and get your house. Now, the deed at the courthouse is in your name, correct? And so in order for the bank, come on, any financial folks, in order for the bank to sell the house, they have to get it out of your name. It takes it to sheriff's sale to get it out of your name to put it back in their name so they can sell the house that was yours on the deed. Correct? All right, so y'all got that bank? So if you got something, pay for it. The wicked borrow and don't repay, the Bible says. So as believers, as best we can, we ought to be making sure we take care of what we say we owe. All right, because it causes problems in relationships. How many of y'all have family members who tapped you more than once? Didn't pay you back. And now y'all feeling a certain sort of way. Is that right? Am I, am, am, I, am I knocking at somebody's door? And then now all of a sudden, when you, when you, when you had a spirit of generosity, now you, you, you're like, I'm, I'm, I've been hurt before and I'm not, I'm not lonely nobody another nickel. But the Bible, we're going to see, when we operate with a spirit of generosity, when we do it the right way, God, God blesses that kind of person. All right. So finances, you know, the the, the, the money issues are, are, are things that we all have to deal with. But let's not trust in money. He says, "Trust in your money, and down you go." But the godly flourish like leaves in spring. There's another passage that talks about. It says, "It says, don't 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 trust in." I'm, I'm paraphrasing. Don't trust in money because money money changes in value but trust in the living God, okay? Learn how to trust God, and, 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 and he'll give you what you need to survive here in this earth, okay? I'm a living witness, that he will. Now, the contrast in these Proverbs is between generous people and greedy people. Everybody say generous versus greedy. An amazing truth that is contrary to all human logic begins this set of Proverbs. Here's the amazing truth that that, that defies human logic. Those who give liberally have more than those who hoard all their resources. Now, remember, he's talking about generous people versus what? Greedy people. Have you ever dealt with a greedy person before? Oh, the selfishness that exudes out of the greedy mindset. He's talking about generous people versus greedy people. When we look at this again, remember, those who give liberally according to the word of God have more than those who hoard all our resources. And the unseen factor in this case is God's favor is upon those who are generous. Everybody say God's favor is upon those who are generous. People who give generously find themselves blessed in ways that they never expected. Great things happen in them, and great things happen to those that are around him. Go back to verse 24, if you will. Okay, go back to verse 24 uh, in Proverbs uh, right quick, the 11th chapter. It says, give freely and become more wealthy. Be stingy and lose everything. Sharing freely rather than storing up resources leads to more gain, according to this proverb here. In ancient Israel hear me carefully, farmers were commanded to give a portion of their crops to feed the poor. You can, to to feed the poor. Look up in Leviticus 23 and 22 and you can look at Ruth 2 and 2. Remember Ruth, when she was looking for her Boaz and and she went to the field and and, and, and whenever they were gleaning the field, there was some that was always left over and God had commanded them, don't touch that part. The poor can come in and reap of that. And so through, that, through, through Ruth going out there reaping in Boaz's field, Boaz saw her, right? And they, they made a connection and ultimately they, they, were, they were connected uh, as husband and wife. But guys, we got to realize that if we're going to be generous in spirit and obtain the favor of God in our life in this area, it's important for us to understand what God's mindset is for us as believers, The picture that's given here is of a farmer who gives away more of his harvest than required by God's law. Yet he has more left over than the farmer who gives less than the expected amount. Somehow the wealth of the person who gives more increases while the stingy man eventually becomes impoverished, even though he hoards everything he has. Go to Luke 6 and 38 with me right quick. Luke 6 and 38. I'm going to look at this from the King James version of scripture, Luke 6 and 38. This is one of my favorite pastor scriptures to to quote. Because if we're going to, as a church, uh, have greater community impact, that greater community impact is going to come from us being more visible and more uh, involved in helping in our community. And I told you on last week, this has been a very generous church and we've shared and we, we pour into different places and we support missions. But what God told me is, is that, that I'm going to take that to another level. See, I think I got one amen on the front. God said, I'm going to take that to another level. Let me say it again. God says, I'm going to take that level of generosity that you are, are, are exuding right now. I'm going to take it to another level. Glory be to God. And when God takes them to level, that means that we got to have more resources in order to go to another level. Hello, somebody. Money does not just fall out of the sky in case you haven't noticed that. I'm going back to what Paul says, working hard. And when we work as unto the Lord, God is able to, to bless us and he'll bless our hands. But look at what the text says here. Watch this, watch this. Give and it shall be given unto you Good measure, pressed down and shaken together and running over will money fall out the sky. Is that what it says? It says what? Uh, Run over, shall men give into into your bosom for with the same measure that you meet with all, it shall be what? It shall be measured to you again, go to the NLT right quick and let's let's, let's let's dial in on this because learning how to be generous and to be a giver is a mindset change. Because many of us have been taught, you know, hold on to everything you have. And God says, release and I'll give. But we've been taught, hold on to everything you got. Just hold on, hold on, store up, store up, store up. Now, there is a place for for saving, for investing. I am not saying that you don't do those things, but you do it in concert with being generous as the Lord blesses you because God wants to use us to be a blessing to others. Watch the text. Give and you will receive. Your gift will return to you in full, pressed down, shaken together to make room for more, running over and poured into your lap. The amount you give will determine the amount that you what? that you get back. The amount that you give will determine the amount that you get back. Now let's just say, okay let's say my right hand right here represents $100. Okay? It represents $100. And if I said whoever on this front row puts $20 into my hand I will return to you my $100 hand because I don't have my wallet right now. After service, I'm going to give you $100. So you gave me 20 and I turn around and give you the right hand that's $100. Now, this, this is not witchcraft. This is not trickery. <laughs> but if anybody on this front row got a $20 they want to give me, Now, now, oh, here's $20 over here. This is a $100 hand right here. That's a $100 handshake. Okay, I'm taking this $20, Kay. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to give an illustration, but this is a real illustration. Because Thank you for this $20. I'm taking it, okay? Bless you, K. You're an awesome woman of God. I have a $20. But now something within K said, I trust my man of God here. And I'm going to give Kay $100 after service. Because I'm trying to show you that's what God does with us. God, God says, I, I'm, I'm, I'm looking to and fro throughout the earth to try to find me a man or woman who I can show myself strong toward. I'm looking for a man or woman who will take me at my word and trust me that they give it shall be given unto them. So, don't forget, you got $100 coming. And if I I had my wallet, I would have given it to you then. But the $100 hand is still good, right? God is looking for people who will trust him totally and completely. Okay? Guys, let me tell you something. Mareri and I have been married almost 37 years. It'll be 37 years in December. And one of the things that we learned, hey, come on, somebody clap. Somebody clap. Because there, there are some folks who, who have been married, you know, they've been married 37 years, but have been over four marriages. But, but I've been married 30 been one man and one woman for 37 years. And one of the things that we learned early on as 20-year-olds, hear me carefully, 20-year-olds, you can be faithful in serving God in your 20s. You don't have to wait till you get old and can't move and everything hurt. How many of y'all know stuff hurt that didn't hurt I didn't quite understand that when I was in my 20s and my 30s, when I got in my 40s and my 50s, Dennis, I began to understand that sometimes stuff just hurt. you like, where, where did that come from? I didn't know a muscle was even there. And you don't have to have done anything, just get up in the morning, and you're like, ooh, something ain't right. But we learned in our 20s how to trust God. And I'm here to tell you, listen to me carefully, because we learn how to trust God, with our financial resources and the soul, even when things were tight. How many of you know 20 year olds start out at a different level than you are in your 50s? You, it ought to be different. Okay? And we were not trying to do anything beyond, we made some financial decisions that were not necessarily wise, but we paid everybody we owed and we worked consistently as long as we've been adults. And I'm not saying that. Times won't come and you may be sitting at the same. Well, pastor, I, you know, I've had, I've got, and layoffs happens, jobs happen, firings happen, all those things happen. I'm just telling you, we've been blessed to be consistently employed for the entirety of our 37 years of marriage. And, and God has been faithful in blessing us because we bless him back. Now, it's not a give for that. I can never outgive God. The, the, the issue is, me, he got a bigger shovel than I do. And so when I pour in this amount, his shovel comes back like this. And I learned that, that I can trust him and he will provide. Even when things are tight, we continue to give. Because I decided either this stuff is true or it's not. And if it's true, I got to do it. So the amount you give will determine the amount you give. So if, if I really thought that, would I give more generously? Because Jesus says in our base scripture, it is more blessed to give than to receive. Do you really believe that? It's more blessed to give than to receive. So if I, if, if I believe that, if, if that scripture resonates in my spirit, if I have that concept down, that I can walk in the favor of God and that God will bless me with more as, so he can channel those blessings through me, then I'm owned to something. Are you with me today? So again, when we look at this, uh, giving food to others instead of eating it leads to satisfaction. Most modern versions translate, if you go back to Proverbs uh, 11, 25, most modern versions translate the Hebrew Dashan as prosper in verse number 25. The KJV, however, translated literally as made fat. Do you not realize that in, in, in ancient cultures, obesity in a lot of cases was a sign of wealthiness. It was. Now, some of y'all would look at me and say, Pastor, you, you got it going good then, huh? Don't say that too quick now, okay? But it was. It, it literally, literally, give me, give me, literally uh, the word was translated, made fat. People who gave their food to others instead of eating it themselves, should logically lose weight. Is that correct? Because of their sacrifice. If I, if ever, all the food in my house right now, I gave it to somebody else to eat, and we don't have anything to eat, then over a period of time, I should lose weight because I'm not eating. I'm giving all the food away. Is that correct? But instead, according to this text, they gain weight. They share their water with others instead of drinking it themselves, but they are never thirsty. They are always rejuvenated. The liberal soul shall be made fat, and he that it shall be watered also himself. God has a unique way of turning our trust into our supply. Don't miss that. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't lean to your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, he'll do what? Direct your path. And when you trust him and you when you give generously as he Urges you to do, then what you'll see is that God will in turn refresh you. He will rejuvenate you. And each of these pictures, people sacrifice in order to give to others. In return, they are increased by another. They are prospered or they are fattened by another. They are watered or refreshed by another. That provider who gives to them is, of course, God Himself. Now, God uses people to bless us. Okay? y'all understand that? God uses people to bless us. So say for instance, you've been praying for some extra income because things are a little bit tight right now. And then all of a sudden, the factory comes and says, we got this big order that's coming in, and we're going to need 50 people uh, to work overtime, to work instead of working 40 hours this week, we need 50 people to work uh, uh, 65 or 70 hours this week. And then you sitting there have already prayed, God, um, I need some more income right now because things are tight. But then you say, no, nah, I'm going to the game. I got to go to the game this weekend." And uh, see, see, that's your problem. Right now you're tight, but you can go everywhere else, huh? You're tight, but you you, you got a trip to Florida planned. Yeah. Nothing wrong with going to Florida, unless you're going on somebody else's money. The money that you didn't pay them back—that thousand dollars you stole your sister—and now you're going to Florida. Your sister's in there thinking, "She going to Florida on my thousand dollars." and sure and enough she is because the money that she's using to go to Disney World was money that should have been returned back to you and now you're feeling a certain kind of way come on oh you're still smiling but you're feeling a certain kind of way oh you're still smiling but you're talking at home can't believe they owe me a thousand dollars and then they out there on Facebook got pictures of them at Mickey Mouse with Mickey Mouse taking that picture with Mickey Mouse with my thousand dollars. Then now, all of a sudden your spirit gets vexed and then you come to church like this, Uh-oh. looking over at her when she get back. <laughs> let's get this stuff out of the way, y'all. Come on, we got to get out of the way. He says, the liberal soul shall be made fat and he that watereth shall be watered also himself. See, the law of gaining by giving is the law of God. Now, now, this is contrary to man's logic and to what should be the natural result. Those who give away what they possess should have less, not more. The only explanation for their unnatural or supernatural increase is God. Now, t- check this out. Watch this. We know this, and we, we hopefully you have bought into the, the, the idea of investing. How many of y'all invest your money? You invest your money, whether it's in mutual funds, whether it's in, uh, you, you can put it in a, even a bank certificate deposit, deposits. They're not paying you very much nowadays, but you can put it in there. And at the end of the year, you have more money than what you put in there, right? Correct? Now, think about this from an investment standpoint. The more, the more money I invest, in theory, when the value of my investment, that stock or whatever, or that mutual fund value goes up, then I'll be able to, when I get ready to sell, pull more out when the value goes up. But the more I invest, guess what? the more returns back unto me. You can't get mad at me because they gave me a bigger check at the end of the year because I invested more. Can't get a witness? Why are you mad at me? You're the one that said, well, I don't think I'm going to go that far, bro. Pastor, I think I'm going to just put $5 in. <laughs> and I put $5,000 in, so at the end of the year, if it's a 10% rate of return, somebody help me This good in math right quick. If it's a 10% rate of return annually at the end of the year, I will have what? 500 and you have what? 50 cents. Come on, y'all wasn't smart enough there. you have 50 cents. You can't get mad at me because they gave me a check for 500 and you got a check for 50 cents. Is that what's going to the bank to cash? So because I invested more, we understand that principle, right? Then that more was returned unto me. Can I get a witness? Give and it shall be given to you. Good measure, first time, second give one of over me and get a bosom. From the same measure to meet out. And he back on you again. Now, now now, now what do you get at with the pastor? The point I'm trying to make is, is that our mindset in the church has to change from being uh hoarders, hoarders in the sense that whatever resources God blesses with, we just hang on to it, to being sowers. Because God wants to use us to be a blessing. I was reading a stat the other day, and do you not know that uh in America. I think I'm right about this. The Barter Group did this study that among Christian believers, less than, I think it's around 5% of Christians give 10% or greater of their revenue that God blessed them with back unto the Lord. That's 5% of Christians. Now again, you can argue the tide was in the Old Testament, but if you argue that, you got to go to the New Testament because grace giving is even above the tide. So I don't get caught up on the tide. because I told you earlier, Maria and I give far more than the tide we learn how, we, we learn that God is a blesser as we give generously. We don't give to get, but we give because we love God. And we want to see God's work be done in earth. And, earth. and, and by virtue of being those who sow God blesses us. I'm just, I'm, t- I'm not telling you what somebody told me. I'm telling you what I've experienced in my own life. Are y'all with me? But think about that for a second. Five percent of believers give at 10% or greater, 5%. And yet God is still blessing and doing what he's doing with the remnant who are faithful in their giving in support of the work of men. So if all, think about if all of us have the spirit of generosity and so out of what God has blessed us with. God has not asked you to give what you don't have. He says, so out of what I bless you with. I love the 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 uh, the, uh, the story of the widow widow with the one with the one mite. How and y'all notice the Bible says that Jesus sat over against the treasury and observed how they put money in. God is watching how we give, and He watched and He observed. As those people came, and there were some who gave monetarily a generous gift according to the world standard, but Jesus looks at stuff a little bit different than us. Jesus observed how, 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 how they gave, and he said, "This widow with the one mite has given more than all of them put together, because she gave sacrificially." So don't get caught up in the amount. Get caught up in the quality of your giving. Can I get a witness? And when we learn to give in a quality way, guys, I'm here to tell you, it changes our lives. Compassionate generosity has an additional benefit, guys. Those who are willing to help others in times of need will not only be blessed by the Lord, but also by the recipients of their generosity. Again, the setting for this proverb in, 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 in Proverbs 11 Uh, is a time of famine. Now think about it for a second. People who are blessed with a barn full of corn or wheat when there's a famine in the land got three options. And think about this. Y'all remember the story of Joseph, right? In the book of Genesis, Joseph, come on, was sold into slavery by his brothers because they were jealous of him because he was the father's favorite. They wanted to kill him at first and cooler heads prevailed and they saw a, a traveling band of, of, of merchants coming through and they said, well, let's don't kill him. Let's fake his death and we'll sell him to these merchants. Those merchants went down to Egypt and they sold him to a guy by the name of Potiphar who was an officer in, in Pharaoh's government. And y'all know the story where, how, where Joseph was there, but the Bible says this, guys, the Lord was what? With Joseph. And whatever Joseph touched in Potiphar's house, guess what? It prospered. Why did it prosper? The Lord was with him. Amen. Amen. Can I get a witness? Amen. And Potiphar being an astute man started looking and said, you know what? Since Joseph has been here, my bank account has grown. Since Joseph has been here, things are prospering. I, I tell you what, I ain't a dumb man. I tell you what I'm going to do, I'm going to put him over everything in my house and let him Shepherd that. Let him be a steward over that. And guess what happened? When he put Joseph over everything, guess what happened? It prospered. But then his wife, old cougar. Yeah, she's an old cougar. Do y'all know what a cougar is? She was an old cougar. She saw that, that, that fine-looking Hebrew boy. Set up. The Bible says she set her eyes on him. And she went after him. She went after him because she des- he was good looking. The Bible says that. He wouldn't go for it. She lied on him, accused him of rape, thrown in prison, forgotten about him in prison, then remembered him in prison, interprets a dream, ends up in Pharaoh's house, second in charge of all of Egypt. But in famine's and the land. Now, the, the same level of stewardship that he exhibited in Potiphar's house, he exhibited in Pharaoh's house. And he had a dream. He says, here's the dream. It's going to be seven years of plenty and seven years of famine. Now, now Pharaoh, while there's seven years of plenty, build you some barns and let's put all the grain in then store it up. And then when the seven years of famine came, guess what? Everybody who needed something to eat had to come where? Had to come to Egypt to get something to eat. It's a supply and demand issue. And so Joseph's stewardship and his wisdom that was given to him by God is now uh, looked at, the king says, everything I got is under your control. Right? So the famines in the land and everybody had to come to Egypt to eat, including Joseph's family. Y'all know the rest of that story. But watch this. So people who are blessed with, with a barn full of corn or wheat when there's a famine in the, in the land, have three options. Number one, they can keep it all for themselves. Now, who knows how long a drought or famine may last because some people start hoarding stuff. How many of y'all, when the pandemic came, y'all started just, just how many of y'all, I couldn't even find toilet paper. Because all they all up in there getting all you can. Take you a year to use a bottle of toilet paper, but, but people started hoarding, right? Same thing will happen if a, if a hurricane or tornado came through and supplies were limited, people go into the store and they want to just buy all of it. And then now that, that, that increased demand, which is unnatural demand because you normally don't buy that much toilet paper or paper towels. I'll tell you about the time Maria went online and thought she found a good deal with paper towels. Huh? Baby, baby, look here, look here, I, I found it. Look, look, come on, let's order this. That stuff came in. And that stuff, it was so thin. Uh, it, it, I don't know where it came from. But needless to say, we never ordered any of that stuff again. But my point is this. In a time of famine, you can hoard. Because this parable has to do with a time of famine here. They can keep it all for themselves. I don't know how long the family's going to last, so I'm going to keep it all to myself. They can hold it on, they can hold on to it for a while until the situation becomes even more dire, and the longer the people go without food and the hungrier they become, the more they're willing to pay for the grain, right? The hungrier you get, the more you're willing to pay, right? The hungrier you get, the more you're willing to pay. So they can hold on to it till the price goes up even higher. And, and, and by the way, uh, for, for, for any business owner who does that, uh, you know, jack their prices up during the time of, of disaster. That's to me, that's that's that's, a, that's the ultimate in greediness. And it happens all the time that 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 gas that's in that tank didn't go up by five dollars a gallon overnight. You didn't purchase it for that. But then how they do that kind of stuff. Or they can sell it to others at a fair price. So they could keep it all for themselves, hold on to it to the value, or hold on to it, number two, until the price goes up even more and they get more money or they could sell it at a fair price. Notice that scripture does not say they give it away, but that they are willing to sell it. That's what it says. Those who keep a full storehouse while their neighbors starve or who exploit their desperate situation will be despised and cursed by others. The word translated curse literally means to pierce or to perforate, suggesting that some might act violently toward or at least threaten the selfish individuals who refuse to help them. Now, conversely, people who are willing to sell their grain at a fair price in such urgent times will be blessed by their neighbors as well as by the Lord. So, so number one, it changes our lives. Number two, the spirit of generosity connects us with others. Go to 1 Peter chapter 3. Verse 8 through 12. Come on, hurry, hurry. Got a little bit more time left. Are y'all still with me today? The spirit of generosity. What I'm trying to do as your pastor is to get you to see that God is looking for people who are willing to operate in his spirit, to operate the way he operates. We serve a generous God who loves us And cares for us and he wants his people to be generous people who love people and care for people. There is a balance in how we do life. And so some people will take this message and think, well, Pastor's saying, give everything away. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is that if you honor God, he will bless you uh, to be a blessing to others. And, we, and the more we give if we believe what Jesus said it is more blessed to give than to receive then we'll find ourselves giving more right? If we truly believe that I've said it before and i said it again true belief is backed up by corresponding action you can tell me all day long you believe this or you love this but until it's shown in how you act you're just talking loud ain't saying nothing God wants to see us be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving our own self. Watch the text here. Finally, who's writing here? Peter? Finally, all of you should be of one mind, sympathize with each other, love each other as brothers and sisters, be tenderhearted, and keep what? Oh, I didn't hear y'all keep what? What? I'm humble attitude. Next verse says what? Let's go. Come on, guys. It says, don't repay evil for evil. Stop trying to get people back. Don't retaliate with insults when people insult you. Get off off of social media trying to throw out at somebody. Do you you realize how dumb that is? Can I say that? I'm going to say it like that. Do you realize how dumb that is to try to go back and forth with somebody on social media about some issue that came up and think you're going to change their mind? Everybody say dumb. No. I am convinced that there are some people who are not well read enough to even have a platform to talk about intelligently about something that, they, that they're currently talking about don't even know what they're talking about. What do you mean by that, my Pastor? Well, sometimes you'll look at something from the outside and not know all the details and all the facts and now you're making a comment based on what you see. You don't even know all the facts. It happens in churches all the time. You don't even know what's going on behind the scenes as to why we made a decision to do what we did, but you got an opinion on it. And that man's got a opinion. it's like a nose. But rather than commenting and getting on Facebook and social media, throwing out, do you not realize that when you do that, that's a part of your witness too. How you respond on social media uh, is, in, is indicative of what's in your heart and your mind. And guess what? Employers look at your social media posts, too. And they get, if they get ready to hire you, they want to say, well, let's pull him up and see what he's saying. And you out there partying with your AK-47 up in the air shooting. And then you call back. Do I have a job, Well, oh, sir? Uh, we went. Up, we have another. Uh, you know. Uh, just, you know. Uh, we haven't made a decision yet. Then you call back. Well, we made our decision, and you're not the one. So my point is, what you do on social media is representative of you. Social media doesn't have to be evil. It can be a tool that's used for good. I'm not. You know. As I say, don't don't hate the player, hate the game. I mean, yo. Know, th- my point is this: You can use it for good, but many of y'all sit not not, not here, but many Christians, and maybe some of y'all are. I'm, and you know, some of y'all you know get too emotional and start saying stuff that you shouldn't say, and hadn't prayed about it, and now you hit the button. It's out there, and now people are looking at you crazy, and you're wondering why are they looking at me crazy? Because they don't know how to to adapt and, and to be able to to have divergent opinions. My point is this, as a Christian, I need to be careful what I post in in the social media world, okay? Because my testimony matters and your testimony matters And, and you putting stuff out there that's risque, don't nobody need to see you. Don't nobody need to see you. Don't nobody need to see you in your risque dress Showing your underwear. Except your husband. Can I say it again? And then they see you on social media, then now you're up in the choir. It impacts your testimony. I'm not saying social media is is, is evil, but how you use it will be judged by God. Okay? Y'all with me? Can we move on here? Don't repay evil for evil. Don't retaliate with insults when people insult you. Instead, (laughs) watch this. This is Bible now. I didn't make this up. What does the word say? Instead, instead of retaliating with insults when people insult you, what are you as a believer supposed to do according to what Peter says here? Pay them back what? Now how many of y'all are Bible readers and Bible believers and know that the word of God is true? So when's the last time you paid somebody back with a blessing? Who insulted you? Oh, Lord Jesus. (laughs) That's too hard for some of y'all right there. It says, instead, pay them back with a blessing. That is what God has called you to do and will grant you his blessing. Next verse. Come on, let's go. For the scripture says, if you want to enjoy life and see many happy days, keep your tongue from speaking evil and your lips from telling lies. I didn't make it up. It's right there. Can we read it again? Out loud, let's go. For the scriptures say, if you want to enjoy life and see many happy days, keep your tongue from speaking evil and your lips from telling lies. Next verse, 11 and 12. Turn away from evil and do good. Search for peace and work to maintain it. Now, that's that's Bible, God is talking to us as believers. Now, if you're not willing to do this, what you're saying, God, I know what you say, saying, but I don't care. Now, if you belong to him, he's going to deal with you. So all of us probably got coworkers, church members, family members, where well, we got to work on this. Y'all look at me. It says turn away from, from evil and do good. Search for peace and work to maintain it. Depart from evil, seek peace, and do good, one one verse says. Next verse, come on, verse 12. Why? The eyes of the Lord watch over those who do right. Now, who do wrong? The eyes of the Lord watch over those who do right, and his ears are open to their prayers. But the Lord turns his face against those who do evil. Now, he's writing to believers here. So that tells me believers can do evil. Believers doing evil, and now they're wondering why their prayers are not getting, getting answered. The Bible says right here, can we back up to the first, the first verse we read? I need y'all to read. I need this to resonate in your spirit, and we're going to stop on this one, okay? The first thing we said is, is generosity. When we, we operate with uh, the with, with spirit of generosity, it changes our lives. And number two, generosity connects us with others. Watch this. Can we read out loud? Finally, all of you should be a one mind. Sympathize with each other. All of you should be a one mind, a mind of Christ. Let this mind be in you that's also in Christ. I don't want you to have a Republican mind or a Democrat mind or a Green Party mind. I want you to have the mind of Christ. Finally, all of you should be a one mind. Sympathize with each other. Love each other as brothers and sisters. Be tenderhearted and keep a humble attitude. Next verse, don't repay evil for evil. Don't retaliate with insults when people insult you. This includes husbands and wives. Husbands and wives. I said husbands and wives. Oh, husbands and wives. Husbands and wives that live together, sleep in the same bed together, and now y'all are insulting each other. Now, I'll be honest with you. There may be some times when I want to say something to Maria, but I keep it. If it's, if it's going to be, because I'm not going to insult her, and I'm certainly not going to call her out of her name. That's the woman I love. That's the woman that feeds me, supports me. Is there with me if all of y'all turn y'all's back on me? I know she's gonna be there with me. So why in the world would I go around insulting her, saying derogatory stuff because I'm in my feelings? Yeah. Grow up. Yeah. Be a man and man or woman of integrity. And the same thing goes, why stop stop talking that way to your husband? <laughs> this is not a marriage conference. But I thought I'd need to say that I, I, it resonated in my spirit that some of y'all have been going back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And yet you on Facebook look like y'all the happiest thing in the world. I'm going to call it fake book. I don't want people out there to think we happy and we miserable. I want us to be happy and I don't care what you think. I mean, I do care, I mean, you know you know what I'm saying. But, you know, if we happy, you think we ain't happy. That's okay. Because we. since Adam was upstairs, when she come down and her, are we happy? She dressed like we happy. Watch her. <laughs> now, I'm, listen, I'm saying that, guys, because in 37 years of marriage, we have ups and downs. We had valley experiences. Uh, uh, but, I, but I thank God that we're still here. And I thank God that we are thriving. This is a good season of life, and I refuse to let the enemy come in and disrupt the peace that God has brought to the relationship. Yes, we've had challenges along the way. Most married couples have, but we work through it. Amen? And we're stronger as a result of it, and we can teach others too. Don't repay. I gotta finish. Don't repay evil for evil. Don't retaliate with insults with people. Insult you. Y'all need to go home and study this. All of us need to go home and study this. Instead, pay them back with a blessing. Ooh we. pay them back with a blessing. You know your, your, your sister been talking about this. Just go 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 lay a hundred dollar bill on. Go go pray over it. Go give her that dress you just bought. Y'all wear the same size. Just go bless. Here you can have it. It'd be like pouring hot coals. on <laughs> Instead, pay them back with a blessing. That is what God ca- that's, that's what God is, what, that's, that's, That is, what, that is what, what. God has called you to do, and will grant you a blessing. Will, will grant you His blessing, for the Scripture says, "If you if want if you want to enjoy life and see many happy days, keep your tongue from speaking evil, and your lips from telling lies." Eleven through twelve. Turn away from evil and do good, search for peace, and work to maintain. You have to work to maintain peace, guys. Because in the course of any relationship, I'm telling you right, whether it's a church member, the church member relationship, uh, co worker, the co worker, husband, and wife, we we all are fallible human beings. So that means that we're going to say something sometimes that's not pleasant or nice, or we're going to act a certain way that's not pleasant or nice. But so we have to work to maintain peace. Okay? You have to work at it. The eyes of the Lord watch over those who do right. Here's the promise. And his ears are open to their prayers when you're doing right. When you do what he just said, but the Lord turns his face against those who what? Who do evil. So generosity connects us with others. When people are generous and gracious, they exude love and happiness. Generous people create positive feelings in their relationship. They cause others to want to be around them. Okay. I don't have time to go to Philippians too, but I'll pick it up on next week. Okay. All right. Now, we're, we're, we got to close. And I'm closing with this statement. The most, the most profound act of generosity that's ever been known in the earth realm was the generosity that God displayed when he gave his son, Jesus, to die on the cross for our sins. And he died for you, for you, for you, for me so that we can have a relationship with the triune God. So is every head bowed, is closed right now? I want you to think about this. God showed his generosity by giving his very best. John 3, 16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him would not perish but have everlasting life.